you know, the tone that the worship leader sets is the tone that the team picks up on, the, the, the feeling. How I respond to that crisis, that stress in front of my team that I'm leading, in front of my church perhaps, um, that sets the tone. And you're teaching people, you're leading leaders how to respond. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed for the worship leader that has to do it all. I know that you can sing. You probably can play guitar or piano, something like that, and you can lead songs in a worship setting. But now you're leading a worship ministry with band members and singers and having to report to your pastor, and you may or may not feel like you were prepared to do this. So we are here to help you figure out how to do all the little extra things that comes along with leading a worship ministry. This is episode 34, and my guest today is Jimmy Cooper. He is a worship leader at Open Door Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, but you probably know him better by the name of his YouTube channel, Hey worship leader. He posted his first video on October 17th, 2019, and he's been helping worship leaders lead healthy worship ministries ever since. So I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because both of us are worship ministry leaders and both of us create content for YouTube. And there are things that you learn about leading a worship ministry when you teach others about worship ministry, whether that's at a conference or in a book or in a YouTube video. So in this conversation, we talk about the things that we've learned as we've been creating content for YouTube for those in worship ministry. The conversations that we've had with people that leave comments on a video or send us an email or the problems that people face when they find themselves in a leadership position like in a worship ministry and what some of our answers have been to the people that reached out to us. So we'll get to that in a moment. But first, I mentioned a few months ago that we released a practical worship t-shirt. And if you haven't gotten one, now is your time because they're 50% off. There's no promo code or anything like that. Just go to practicalworshipblog.com and then just kind of like flip up a little bit and tap the button on the front page that says get the new t-shirt. I'm not sure how long we'll keep it at this price. This podcast episode is coming out on Friday, June 4th, and I'll keep it at this sale price for at least a week, maybe two. But if you've ever wanted to tell the world that you have ideas, tips, and practical advice, this is your chance. And it supports what we do here at the podcast and also the YouTube channel, and I appreciate that as well. I'll put a link to the t-shirt that's 50% off in the show notes, and that's where you'll find all of the things that we talk about in this podcast episode. Just go to practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 34. And now, here's my conversation with Jimmy Cooper. Jimmy Cooper, welcome to the show. What's up, Dave? How's it going? Good to be here. Man, I think this is going to be fun. I feel like we're a little bit like kindred spirits. Not only are we worship leaders, but we also uh, have this uh, weird, nerdy desire to take the things that we know and then like spew it out on the internets. <laughs> yes, that's a special calling, isn't it? I think it is a special <laughs> calling, and I... Recently, we've done this whole thing where, you know, I have a video on my YouTube channel 
about, you know, guitar gear and all that. And then you did a reaction to that video, which that was planned, by the way. If you, if you, if you saw that and you know, I just want to bring you into the inner circle here, that all of this was planned. Um, it was a, a way to do a fun collab. But you did a reaction to that. And then I did a reaction to your reaction. And then we just released a, I guess it's, I mean, I guess it's a reaction to the reaction of the reaction, whatever. But I, what I think is fun is like to read the comments because the whole thing centers around this idea that when I was at my previous church, we we supplied the backline and you played our backline. You brought in your own guitar, but you played our pedal board and you played our amp. And there are there are opinions. Yeah. There are opinions. Yes. Have you been surprised at the comments that have been like that have come up on like your versions of the video? And they keep coming up. I mean, I just I keep getting comments. I mean, there has never been a topic that brings so much heat in my experience. I mean, if you once Dave just took away these guitar players' pedal boards, it all just fell apart. <laughs> How dare you, Dave? Oh, and it's so funny is that it's like the original video that I did is is four or five years old. And the way that YouTube works is, you know, they don't suggest the content. It'll put that in front uh, of people that they think will want to see it or react to it in some way, whether it's positive or negative, I guess. But it'll go dormant for a bit. And then all of a sudden, I'll know that it's picking back up steam again, that, that YouTube is starting to put it in front of more people because all of a sudden the comments come in. Like, it, it'll be dormant for a little bit, for six months, whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'll get like five comments like, you're a jerk and I can't even believe you. And then there's someone else says, I understand it and you're all a bunch of jerks. And it's like, <laughs> I, I try to imagine what this might be like if, the, if everyone in the comment section of these videos was actually in a room together, like actually audibly screaming these things at each other. <laughs> Right. I feel like it'd be like the stock exchange or something like that. It would be it would be a mess, I think. For sure. I mean, it's it, it, it gets people riled up. Like I say, I mean, I, I just got, I believe, not this morning, but last night, another comment. Not only, let's say this, not only have I gotten comments on YouTube, I'll get emails. People saying, I feel like this is too long for YouTube. I just want to email you directly. As if, as if I really want to know their their opinion, uh, which I do. I do. If people are listening to this, I do. I do enjoy those emails. But it's just funny that 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 video in particular just sparks so much drama. And like you said, we've been doing the reaction to the reaction. It's kind of like this deep hole of madness, and I'm I'm enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun. I've been. It's been. A, it's been a neat thing to be able to do and 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 be able to experience that together. Like I said, kind of at the beginning, I feel like this conversation will be unique because. Not only do are we worship leaders at at churches of similar sizes of people that typically listen to this podcast with you know that five hundred or less or so, uh, just you know not like a large large church but kind of like a small to medium sized church. So we have that where we're passionate about leading our teams and leading worship and all that that comes with. But we also uh, have this desire to to share that knowledge and to create content online, whether that's through YouTube videos or through a podcast. And we were having this kind of conversation off the air, which is what prompted us to have it on the air. And it's this, that I've kind of noticed that the kind of content that people seem to want or that they're searching for is, you know, it might be about a guitar pedal or it might be about copyright strikes or it might be about how to set up a soundboard. There's this, this, these, the, these things that people will actually search out and want to know about. 
But then there's also the content that at least I feel like I want to you know, I want to make that it's like here's the things that I feel like you need in terms of maybe some leadership qualities, like how you actually lead the ministry or even just caring for the people uh, in, in a spiritual sense. And the music is almost a means to the end to do what we're ultimately called to do, which is to to pastor and shepherd people. But if I put a video out about that topic, it'll get a couple hundred views. But if I put out a video about how to set up a soundboard, because that's like, that's like the front-facing need, that'll get tens or hundreds of thousands of views. And so it's kind of this weird dilemma of of we get into leading worship sometimes, I think, because we can sing, we can play some songs, and someone recognizes that and says, hey, you should be our worship leader. You should lead our worship ministry. And then we get into this and we go, oh, oh, there's other things that I need to know besides that. And so I want to kind of like have that kind of conversation and maybe, you know, in the terms of like, you know, with another fellow YouTuber where we're trying to generate content and we're trying to help people. And sometimes, you know, you have to put the video out about the HX stomp to kind of earn the trust to maybe speak into their life about other things that they you don't even necessarily know that they need. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's a struggle that, um, you know, I, I, I bring it up a few times in, in videos because I... I feel like, you know, we were talking off the air that um, I got the HX Stomp sitting right behind me and I make a lot of content on that piece of gear. One, because I really do feel like it's helpful for worship leaders. I feel like if they want to get, I've met several worship leaders who have played acoustic all their life and they want to get into the world of electric guitar, but it's expensive. It is an expensive hobby. It can be. And so this piece of gear has really opened up doors uh, allowed me to play through amps and effects pedals that I wouldn't have been able to do. So I really believe in the piece of gear. I don't do anything on my channel that is just fluff, or at least I try not to. Um, But at the same time, it's like, I don't believe in that piece of gear. Like I believe in pastoring your people and leading your team well and all those things. But like you said, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't get clicks. And so what's funny is I actually had a comment the other day uh, said, I noticed your channel is more geared towards guitar stuff than it is the Lord and Jesus. Just an observation, I guess. Jesus and the Lord don't sell well on YouTube, do they? And I was like, you know, you can go read that comment if you want, because <laughs> it's still up there. I don't delete comments, but um, unless they're very inappropriate. But I was like, you know what? You're actually right. Um, that stuff doesn't sell as much on YouTube. And the only reason he found my channel is because he was he was commenting on a, a gear you know, something about overdrive guitars. So he found me, YouTube put that video in front of me, in front of him, sorry. YouTube put that video in front of him and he found me because of a gear video that I posted. But now he can go to my channel and see like every other video is an interview with another worship leader talking about real life worship ministry things. But, you know, I think it's Sarah Dietschy said in her videos uh, one time, she's like, I make I make one for me, one for them, one for the algorithm, you know. I, I, I think it's so funny you bring up the Saradici, and if you don't know, that's uh, um, uh, someone who creates content on YouTube, kind of in like the film space and some tech space and all that. But I do the same thing where I, I'll create a video that I call 
you know, in the in the in the biz, we call it a discovery video. It's designed to be something that someone who's never heard of practical worship or me, that they would they would find me. You know, it might be about copyright strikes. It might be about how to set up Ableton, like something that I know that they're struggling with a specific problem, and and here is the solution. And then I do what I call a community video that is probably geared more towards the people that. Um, have been around the block. They, they're used to it. They're they're starting to kind of like make it that Tuesday morning a part of their routine as far as they find the video. And I feel like maybe I've earned the space and the trust uh, of the people, you know, that probably even listen to this podcast. You know, you're probably in that group. Yeah. You're some of the people that uh, is like, okay, you know, because he helped me out on this, you know, he, he might have some other things to say where I, I can speak, say, hey, you're, you probably weren't thinking about this, but uh, like I did a, a video, you know, uh, several weeks ago about keeping your stage clean. No one's searching for a video on how to keep your stage clean, but I but I throw that out there to say, hey, did you think about this? Your messy stage might actually be holding you back. Mm. And so, you know, because I've maybe earned the trust, like, man, that guy really did help me with the HX stomp. When he does speak about some other things that, you know, that I think actually, you know, when it comes to leading people well and leading your ministry and making sure that, the, that you're pastoring and shepherding your people, I, I think ultimately... That probably matters a whole lot more, but there's a gateway, right, that needs to happen. That's exactly right. It's, it's, it's a gateway. And if you're going to be on YouTube, you will know that YouTube, I guess, can be a hobby, but it's a horrible hobby. It'll suck the life out of you unless you have a broader vision behind it. And if you're going to be on YouTube, you need to feed Right. Feed that YouTube algorithm, that that monster, <laughs> that monster, that thing trying to figure out what it wants. Um, but, yeah, you know, if, if you can find a way to succeed on YouTube to get the word out, to get people to know you. I mean, I try to make content um, based like what you said, that kind of like, here's my channel. This is what I can help you with as far as gear, because that's what I find that most people are searching for. Those high searchable things they are looking for gear, because honestly, that's. I'm just doing what I do. I found your channel, Practical Worship, years ago, not because of anything pastoral, not because of leading teams. It was probably, I think it was in, I was trying to find the video earlier because it's been like over four years ago, I think now, but I think it had something to do with in-ears. I was looking at in-ears and I, I, your video came up and I was like, oh, look at that. I found you because of a tech video, but now I've gotten to know you I've actually gotten to know you in person, but I've got to know your style. I, I let I let you into my life more now on those other topics. And, you know, what I really enjoyed about some of those early videos I saw was you were like went behind the scenes on even how you filmed YouTube videos. I remember you're like, I film it with a phone. You know, you, you you're like, I film it with a phone, but I want to use the back camera. So I'm going to hold my mirror up. So I can see my reflection. I don't even remember what video that was, but I remember I, watching that. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> But um, I think that's that's what the cool thing is. And people, I, I, it's good for them to hear that you and I both care more about people's hearts, shepherding people on our team through song selection and, and organization and our, our team structure and, you know, leading our teams well, all that more than the gear itself. But the gear is a, a necessary part of our job. And so one of the things I want to say is that, you know, we may put more gear or me specifically put more gear videos on YouTube, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where my heart is all the time. It's a, it's a YouTube problem, not a, not my heart problem. So uh, that's just one of those things I want people to hear. And 
yeah, I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of one of those things. And I, I feel led to say that in a lot of videos. Well, I think that there's, you know, as as we as worship leaders and, you know, we all have, you know, different stories as far as like how we got started. But I think very few people have in their story, oh, I was totally prepared for this. And so there's definitely a change where you kind of notice like, oh, the thing that I'm here to do is not necessarily the thing that I thought like the main thing wasn't the main thing. Like, so can you remember a time like when you first realized as you were leading worship and you're doing all that, where maybe the spiritual needs of the team or maybe some, you know, just the leadership, you know, like it became more than just about, hey, picking some songs and rehearsing a band. Like you, is there a time that you can think back to where you notice, oh, oh, there's more to this. Like this is a lot bigger than just a couple of songs and playing the right chords. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think my introduction to the worship ministry world might be like a lot of people, because you've already mentioned it. It was like, I played guitar in our Sunday school class, our young adult Sunday school class. And there were people in there that said, hey, we're starting a Saturday night uh, worship service. Would you like to play guitar? And I was like, yes, I've only ever played by myself in my room. I would love to be on a stage, (laughs) you know? Um, Cool. It was not out of any kind of heart for God or leading people in ministry is like, I get to play with a band. That's amazing. Yes. Sign me up. So, um, you know, I played acoustic guitar and long story short, I ended up leading worship and, uh, you know, we were a band and I was leading the band and it was sounding good. And my heart was, you know, wasn't an evil place. I I'm not necessarily a stage seeker. I enjoy playing with other people, but there was a shift where I was a part of a church plant and, and getting ready to plant that church uh, I started learning some things and God really pricked my heart. Like, this is about people. You know, it's it's not about the music. And um, that's that's when I, I shifted. And it's been a, a continual shift. Because like I said a minute ago, you know, gear is a big part of our jobs. You know, we can't get around that. You have to, you know, deal with things like planning center and, and pro presenter. And technology is, is moving fast. All, all the time, you know, it's, sometimes it's difficult to keep up with the latest releases and firmware updates and, and new gear that comes out. It's a part of our job. So I'm not saying like neglect gear, but at the end of the day, um, Jesus calls us, Jesus has called us as ministers of the gospel to point people to him and give people a chance to respond to him. And we do that specifically through music as worship leaders. And so that's one of those key things that I am continuing to learn. You know, it's it's uh we we talked about the tone of a you know the tone that the worship leader sets is the tone that the team picks up on the the, the feeling and since I, I said you know gear is a big part of it and for me it can be a big stress a big stressor in my life you know like this new piece of gear that I I, I put in a lot of hard work on I show up to rehearsal on Sunday morning and it just crashes it's not working right you know it's a it's a big flop it's a bomb how I respond to that crisis that stress in front of my team that I'm leading in front of my church perhaps um, that sets the tone and you're teaching people you're leading leaders how to respond and so that's one of those things where it's like at the end of the day if I zoom out and see the bigger picture of what God's called me to, it makes those gear things a lot more manageable, a lot easier. It's not something to ignore, but it gives me like a, a new perspective. And I would just tell listeners that Jesus has called you to point people to him. And gear is a great way to do that. 
but it's not worth stressing out over and and losing your ability to lead people. Yeah, there's a balance I think that needs to happen. You know, I I as the at least at the day that we're recording this podcast last night we had our midweek rehearsal and uh, it was a little rough. It wasn't uh it wasn't like catastrophic. It wasn't like oh my goodness, I'm not sh- even sure how we're going to pull this off on Sunday. But it was rough. Like we I have no doubt that we'll get to Sunday and it's going to be, it's going to sound amazing. It's going to do all the things it needs to do. And people are going to come into the room and they're going to have no idea that it, th- this week is any different. But this one took a lot more work. And part of it is I have one singer that was like fighting allergies and she's pregnant with her first child and just kind of getting used to the fatigue that comes with that. And it's, you know, Wednesday night, it's like a long day, and then you come to rehearsal, and you can, you know, you may not have a lot of reserves left left in in terms of your energy. So we had that, and then I had another singer that we're we're still kind of getting up to speed on all the processes and how to do things, and just kind of figuring figuring it out. And so on one song, I gave her a harmony that she wasn't prepared to do, but she's like, yeah, I think I can, I can figure that out. And she got close and I have no doubt that through woodshedding between now and Sunday, that it'll be right where it needs to be. But you know, it wasn't there yet. And then she didn't know how we typically communicate, how you know that you're leading a song. So we're starting to talk about this song, like that you're leading. And she's like, I'm leading the song. Yeah. You're <laughs> leading the song. And now it happened to be, this is amazing grace. And she's like, Oh, I know that. And so, and she did, she did really, really good, but I could tell like that she was getting frustrated with herself, um, that, you know, she was just kind of getting inside of her head and which made it even more clunky. And so there was a moment where I was like, okay, we need to, we need to step back and like, you know, we're getting ready to do the run through like we normally do, but everyone just, everyone just breathe. Mm. everyone like we're we're gonna do the thing it's gonna be fine and we're gonna do this recording and if you make a mistake you make a mistake it's not a big deal like this is a recording it'll be i joked and said this will be forever immortalized in a recording but we'll never let anyone in the public listen to it it's just for us and just to learn i said everyone just enjoy and i even went through the four songs that we are singing and i was like think about what we're singing about Think about, you know, hope has a name uh, and just the, that name of Jesus that we can we can celebrate that. The different attributes of God that we sing about, and this is Amazing Grace. We were singing the Casting Crowns version of At Calvary, which talks about how flippant we were about our sin because we didn't even know the, 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 the struggles that we had until the Word revealed that. And, you know, and then we end that with King of Kings, which that's the gospel story. And so I'm trying to focus on, okay, we've spent all this time focusing on notes and where we're going to hit, you know, melody and, and, you know, different, you know, arrangements and all that kind of stuff. But let's not forget what we are, we're here for. And there was, um, there's a, a, a girl that is leading our student band and she kind of hangs out in rehearsals because she's, you know, trying to learn. She's trying to grow. And she sent me a text after the rehearsal that night. And she goes, hey, I just wanted you, and I want to let you know that you are a very good leader. And I do learn from watching you. Keep up the good work, good sir. Hashtag tips hat. And I was like. <laughs> That's awesome. And like, one, she saw that I was struggling. She wanted to encourage me. But it also kind of reminded me, like, there's younger leaders in the room that are paying attention to how I lead the team. 
and all of that stuff matters. Like there's shepherding of the people that are on stage, like those new singers. There is people that have been there for a while that, um, you know, just, you know, leading them well. And then there's someone in the back of the room that, you know, could be the next person that leads at the passion conference, you know, years from now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there's all like at the end of the day, that stuff matters more than the getting the arrangement right or getting the gear just dialed in. Those things matter. I'm a stickler on the details. If you watch any of the videos that I produce, like I'm a one on the Enneagram and you can see it. Mm. But those details matter, but pouring into our team and all that matters more. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, for listeners trying to think of a a practical way they could implement you know, they, they think they need a change. Um, you, you just mentioned the Enneagram. I'm a, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which means I, I highly care what people think of me to a fault sometimes, but I also have an arrow that points to a three, which is the get it done, make a list, let's get it done. And so I did a hard reset on my rehearsals this year. And it was one of my goals. I had other goals and this was part of, of, uh, accomplishing those goals. And, uh, my re- rehearsals before were fine, but I was I was strict about time. We start at six. We get done at seven thirty. So my my rehearsals became highly functional, though. You know, once seven thirty came, it was like I mean, once six o'clock came, we started. We did sound check. We ran through the songs. Okay, good. Boom, boom, boom. We're done. It's time to go. Go have fun with your family. And I think people respected that. But what was missing was this shepherding, caring about people. And one thing that the pandemic has taught me is that people want time together. They want to be known. And, uh, and so I made, I made it, I bought stools. I sat down. I, my rehearsals before were more like a run through. You would show up and do exactly. Cause I'm a big fan of you, you perform how you practice, you know? And so rehearsals on Wednesday nights for us were more that way. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. Cause I think we do pretty well at that. But what we, where I'm failing as a leader is connecting with them on a shepherding level, figuring out where their hearts are specifically, in our church, our worship team is not like a small group because we we want and expect everybody to be in their own small group because it would be way too big of a small group if that's what it was. So I'm not trying to replace that, but I did want to lead their hearts and shepherd their hearts. So this year, I, I reset. I got stools. We all kind of sit around in more of a circle, and it, it gave me time to just open up with how are they doing, having like legitimate intrigue, genuine time of conversation. Like, how are you doing? Spend a few minutes and tell us what's going on, especially if we haven't seen you in a month. And it's more than like, Hey, I hope you're, hope you're having a good day. Let's, let's, uh, let's tune real quick. You know? So it gave us time to just, just relax. I've talked about that setting the tone. Um, I've been in churches before where, you know, the worship leader was probably like me at times where he was got to where things were frustrating. You could just feel the tension uh, he was comfortable enough for some people to even like yell at them in a certain way. And I remember thinking, man, I guess they just have the relationship to do that. But then I also thought, but I'm here and they're not changing the way they're talking in front of me. And I just remember making a note like I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. And so uh, I, I did this reset, a hard reset. And um, now I have time to ask how they're doing. I read a passage of scripture and actually like re- like last night was rehearsal. I read it through once and then I talked about it and read it through again and it just really like you could tell it just set the tone and then we were able to pray and I was able to challenge them and say hey let's let's take this passage this week and think about rehearsal tonight think about Sunday morning and how 
ultimately, it doesn't matter if the Ableton computer crashes. It doesn't matter if your string pops. Like our main objective is to point people to Jesus this week. And that kind of takes this pressure off on one hand. And then I run rehearsal in a way where it's like, okay, but now we're going to do the best we can because we're playing for the king. You know, like we're going to do our best. It's not that we're trading anything spiritual for excellence. Like we're still pursuing excellence, but I was pursuing excellence and kind of neglecting the spiritual shepherding side of my team. And so I'm, I'm really glad I've done that. And all that to say, me as someone who is very, pays a close attention to um, time, we've still been getting out on time, if not earlier, every single week. So it's like the thing I was fearing the most, it's like, it's not even been an issue. Do you do that with, uh, like with your media team as well? Like, do you kind of bring the gap together between the people in the front of the room, the back of the room, and you bring everyone together? Like, what does that look like? You know, I have done that. And now that you say that, I'm feeling convicted. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, because our rehearsals have changed, we have another full-time guy. I know a lot of churches don't have this, but we have another full-time guy who is also our our production director. So I'm a little more hands-off of our production team than maybe a lot of other worship leaders who might be listening to this. And so... Part of the reset of our our midweek rehearsals is to take pressure off of production and give them time to actually train. So sometimes when I'm going through these devotions, they're actually back there training, talking through the soundboard. We're trying to grow our production team. And so we've been a little more disconnected, but not in a negative way. I think it's it was intentional, and he leads them like I lead my team. So they're actually two separate teams, kind of how they function, especially on rehearsals. And then on Sunday mornings, we... We come back together. We do a full run through where we're talking through everything together, and then we all pray together. But yeah, that's that's how that's how we are. But if if I were over both, like more maybe more traditional, where I have been in the past, and even at the church I'm at now, we have been more intentional about bringing them together. And I know um, Daniel's our production guy, and he even talks through them like they are also worship leading from the production booth. You know, so he's having those conversations with them. And uh, yeah, it's been working really well for for our ministry. There have been times where you can just kind of sense that everyone is just not in a bad place, but it's just, it's been a hard day. It's been a long day. People um, might be frustrated, not necessarily frustrated at people, but maybe at themselves or a situation or just, you can just tell like the, the, the mood in the room is heavy. And and a lot of times what I'll do is right before we do our run through, um, I will pray for us and just kind of have a moment of because I I, I feel like at at that time that we start doing that run through, that is the moment where we're shifting gears from focusing so much on notes and arrangements and playing the part right and all that to how are we spiritually leading these people? What are these songs saying? What are the words that we're putting into people's mouths? And so I generally, just from my microphone, I, I will take a moment and I will pray for the team wherever people happen to be. But if I sense that that mood is heavy in the room, I might do something different and call an audible. And I kind of bring everyone together and I get off of the microphone and we just kind of get in a circle and I will intentionally bring in the media team that's also a part of it and use that as an opportunity to bring everyone together. Everyone knows that we're on the same team, but it's a great opportunity to remind them in a very tangible way that we all are on the same team. And that might be a time, like you even mentioned this too, like, uh, how, how are we doing? No, really. How, like, don't give me the answer that you feel like you have to. And sometimes people, you know, will feel free to share certain things. And then that allows us to pray specifically for, for the people that we're 
that we're leading. And there's less, less opportunities to do that. I may not do it every time, but it is something that I'm trying to be conscious of because I feel like that excellence is is something to aim for and perfectionism is something to aim for. I, I certainly don't want to, I want to do everything I can to not mess up. But yeah. I also think that it's the aim and it's not the goal. Because if you aim for it and if, and if you achieve it, and the end result is a flawless, perfect service or something done, you know, with excellence for the excellence sake, but it is just spiritually dry, then we've missed it. But we've also had situations where those mornings where the lighting computer crashes or you just, you know, your your voice just cracks or does something really, really weird. But we all walk away from that and say, that was such a good time of worship. And it's because... Ultimately, we set the table, we did we brought our very best whatever that can be, and then we and then we invite God to breathe life into it and to to move in the room. And ultimately, that's what we want. But the, the again, it, the excellence part matters, but it needs to be the aim and it needs to not be the goal because if we just achieve that, that's not enough. You know, what I say to that is amen. There's nothing to add, but you know what? Uh, I think I'm ready to go to the bonus round. You think you're ready? That's it's, that's pretty bold. It's time. I think I think I'm ready. I'm there. Okay, because because sometimes I mean you know we have to like train and prep for these things. We don't just nonchalantly just go into the bonus round. You feel like you have like you are physically, emotionally, spiritually ready to take on something as significant as the bonus round. I say bring it on. Bring it on. Okay, <laughs> here comes the bonus round with Jimmy Cooper in three, two, one, coffee or tea? Tea. I am not a coffee drinker. I feel like it is dirt water. Early riser or night owl? Both lately. But Night Owl, Night Owl is, is, is the right, correct answer for me. Favorite TV or Netflix show? Ooh, right now I'm into Marvel stuff. So I've just started the uh, the Winter Soldier, the Falcon Winter Soldier th- stuff. So you're Marvel over DC? Yes, I would say that's, that's definitely not. I mean, just I've just been exposed to Marvel more than DC. I also enjoy the DC stuff. I don't, I don't. I don't downplay it at all, but uh, I've just seen more of the Marvel. I'm into it more. And I think it's more kid-friendly, and I watch a lot of stuff with my kids. And it seems like DC is going the more adult route, it seems, as of late. So, uh, yeah, Marvel. Cat or dog? Neither. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, dog for sure. Uh, but right now in my life, I think my whole family wants a dog, and I don't want a pet. Yeah, I don't want a pet right now. I said the same thing. I didn't want. Uh, I, I didn't want a dog. And I have two of them, and I own a horse. You own a horse? <laughs> yes, because my youngest daughter, that's what she does. And so I went from not wanting any animals to two dogs and a horse. That's awesome. Crunchy or creamy? Ooh, yes. I'm a food person, man. Just give it all to me. I would like to dip a crunchy chip into a creamy sauce. I said sauce. I meant salsa. <laughs> Unforeseen or sloppy wet? Oh, definitely sloppy wet, but but I'm not going to sing it anymore, probably. <laughs> I say sloppy wet because John Mark McMillan is from, like, the Charlotte area, I believe. And that's the original, you know, that he, he wrote the song. And so I'm like, I'm, I, let's stay true to how he wrote it. Either st- Either sing it like he wrote it or just don't sing it. You know, that's how I am. 
First car you ever owned? A 1988 Caprice Classic, Chevrolet Caprice Classic, big old car, white, you know, white walls on the tires. I had dice in the mirror. I had big old speakers in the trunk. I was going through a phase. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Jimmy Cooper with the bonus round. Give it up for Jimmy Cooper. Hey, worship leader. We did it. We did it. You know what? You did pretty good. I will I will say that <laughs> you were you were ready and prepared, and that was a very solid performance in the bonus round. I applaud you again. Ooh, it took it, it took it out of me. You know, it was a little harder than I thought, but we, we made it. So let me throw this question out at you. Because I, I see some people talk about, you know, they they're a worship leader, but they they shy away from that word pastor. You know, like well, I, I like I can do this, but I don't know if I can be if I can be a pastor. And some of the things we're talking about is shepherding and caring for the needs of people. So what do you think? Can you be a worship leader but not a pastor? Uh, that's a good question. And I think technically, yes, because that's me. <laughs> I am not technically a pastor or an elder at my church, but I don't, when I talk about pastoring your people, I'm not talking so much about the position is as much as how you go about your job. I go about my job very pastorally, uh, because I believe it's a pastoral like job. I like to lead my teams like a pastor. You just said it like care for them, shepherd them. You know, if you think about what a shepherd does, he, he cares for the flock. He feeds them good food. You know, we give our, our church good content through our song selection. We protect them uh, from harmful things, things that we think would be harmful for our flock. And those are very pastoral things to do. And that is very much a part of the worship leader's job. You know, I, I, I coach and I talk to people who are, who are women, you know, and I don't know where people stand on this, but some people are like, hey, I'm a woman. I don't I'm not called to be a pastor, but I'm a worship leader. What should I do? And I would, I would just say it's not about the position right now as much as how do you think about the job? And if there's something, you know, if you get into the nitty gritty of it, there's something you just don't feel like your conscience would have you do. You do have a pastor. Go to him and say, this is how I feel like the the team should be led or how this is, these are my thoughts. And I think running that through your pastors, that's a, that's a great way to think pastorally, whether you're a pastor or not, because that, that's that's who I am. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a pastor, but I, I think about my job pastorally. And um, yeah, so I think it's it's something we 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 should we I say should should is always hard because I know there's there's always scenarios that are, that are different. But I think we should at least be thinking that way, even if we are not that person. That's what I want to communicate. And I think, too, that, you know, there is obviously there is the actual office of pastor. There is the actual ordination of pastor. Mm-hmm. But and maybe that's where the hang up is. Maybe that's where where people are like, well, I don't know if I, if I can go to that level. They see, you know, someone that's on staff at their church or whatever, and they, they see that that's like a, you know, I have to be so spiritual or at a certain level or whatever. But in, and I remember because I, I came late into the game as far as actually being vocationally at a church. I worked out as a layman and, you know, in various businesses and things like that and served in the church. And it wasn't until in the last 10 years or so that I actually went full time into a church and was ordained and all that. And I really struggled with it mm-hmm. because I was like, I don't feel like I'm at the level, you know, spiritually and all of that from the, some of the things that uh, I see with the people that were on staff that were at my church. Um, but I was kind of like, you know, talking to people and reading through the scripture and it's like, well, we're called to pastor our, I'm, I'm called to pastor my my family, 
you know that that our our family unit is is in in some regards can be thought of as a, a small church and a group of people and how do I lead them how do I shepherd them I don't need a certificate to tell me that it's it's more of a mindset of caring for the people and just and you don't have to have the right answers but sometimes it's just a matter of just like being attuned to you know where people might be what they might need just a little pick me up or some encouragement maybe some admonishing and like no one has to give you permission to do that right and i think the reason this question is it, it needs to be asked is because i don't remember if i said this earlier but the worship leader position in particular, which is different than I would say like children's ministry or janitor, let's say all important jobs, right? It attracts a certain breed of people. And with that, it's it's often people who can just be drawn to the stage. I did say that earlier, you know, people who were just drawn to the stage. And so the reason we're hounding this so hard is because it's so important that seeking to use your gifts on stage is not enough. Like you are called to be a worship leader you're you're leading leaders you're leading people it's it's if you if you seek this job to just have an outlet to play guitar or an outlet to hear your voice um you will you will burn out or you will be bored quickly or you will just run a worship ministry that is heavily lacking and so that that's the reason this question is is important to think more pastorally because there's something much more at work than just using your gift in front of people on sunday I think my favorite takeaway from this conversation is the idea that we as worship ministry leaders set the tone. I think that's true of anything. The CEO of a business, the manager of a department of an organization, or the leader of a ministry at church. How you carry yourself, how you process problems and deal with people, all that sets the tone. So it's good for us to examine how we carry ourselves and how that in turn affects the people around us. Our ministries, in terms of how they run, they they look like us. If we're stressed out or controlling, then people serving in the worship ministry are going to feel that. If we're excited about what we're doing and put people over product and cast vision as much as we can, then that's going to have a positive effect on Sunday morning and during rehearsals and whenever we connect with people. We mentioned a few various videos that we've created both on my YouTube channel at Practical Worship and also on Jimmy's channel at Hey Worship Leader. And I'm going to link those in the show notes. And if you haven't already, you should subscribe to his channel. He's making great content that I really think is helpful to people in our position. You can find the show notes page by going to practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 34. So you might have noticed that I haven't released any new videos on the YouTube channel in the past several weeks. I had a pretty good rhythm going since the beginning of the year, but if I'm honest, I kind of felt like I was on this hamster wheel. I mean, I was hitting the schedule, and I love everything about the process of coming up with a topic, writing the script, shooting the video, editing the video, posting the video, and then talking with you in the comments. But lately, it's been it's been hard to keep up with. And then in May... I went and got COVID. I mean, at least here in the southern United States, I'm not sure where it, it's what it's like where you're at, but 
we've been in the process of opening things back up for the last month or so. You're seeing less and less masks and more of what seems like normal. You got the CDC coming out saying that if you are fully vaccinated, then they're recommending that it's okay to be indoors without a mask. And I went and got COVID. We've only been at this pandemic thing for 15 months and I almost made it to the end. Almost. But obviously that that knocked me down for two and a half weeks and I really haven't started things back up again. And then add this to the mix. I am leading a few big projects at the church. It's some really exciting opportunities, but it's also putting a squeeze on my extra margin time. So here's what all this means. I'm going to take a break. I want to sing that Hamilton song. Take a break. I'm going to take a break from the YouTube channel, and I'm going to also take a break from the podcast. I posted my first YouTube video in 2012. That's almost 10 years ago. And at that time, there really wasn't anyone making YouTube videos specifically about worship ministry. I mean, there was Brian Wall at Worship Tutorials. He's been uploading stuff to YouTube since YouTube was a thing, but... That was kind of it. And then here comes Jake at Churchfront. Here comes Jimmy at Hey Worship Leader. And here's Spencer at Leading Worship Well. And Rylan Russell is a friend of mine up in the Tulsa area. He's starting to make these really cool vlog-style videos for worship leaders. And there's just a lot of people creating content for worship ministry leaders. And I love all of it. And so I'm going to step aside for a bit. And I'm going to focus on what's right in front of me which is my family and my church. But I wanted to take a moment and tell you, thank you. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Thank you for watching the the videos on YouTube. To everyone that's ever sent me an email or a DM or commented on a video or came up and said hi to me at a worship conference or actually visited the church that I served at, sometimes you put this stuff out on the interwebs and you wonder if it's really going to help someone. And then you reach out and you share your stories and I learn how I got the chance to leave my fingerprints on your ministry. And I think that's an honor. So thank you. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And let's do this again real soon. <laughs>